0: to Aiming for the Moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I'm Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we interview interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. And today we'll be interviewing Jeremy N. Smith, who is an investigative journalist, author of Breaking
1: and Entering, a book about a hacker named Alien, and he and his daughter both run a show called You Must Know Everything, which is a parent-child show about, well, everything they don't teach you in school. So, here's the interview. (laughs) Welcome, Mr. Jeremy, to the podcast. It's great to have you on.
2: It's great to be here. You can just call me Jeremy.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> so you are the author of Breaking and Entering and a few other books. You are currently a journalist. You have written for the New York Times, the Atlantic, um, the Discovery, and among other networks and magazines. So you're also the host of, one of uh, several podcasts. One of the ones that we're going to talk about today is the one, You Must Know Everything, that your daughter also co-hosts. So before we get to all the exciting things about you and your daughter's podcast, could you tell us a little bit about the main character in your book, Alien, who's actually a real life person because this is a real life book. So how did you meet Alien?
2: So I went to pick my daughter up from preschool, now several years ago. And she was playing with another little girl. And the mom and I started talking while the kids were playing. And the mom said, what do you do? And I told her about my writing and my books. And I said, what do you do? And she said, well, tomorrow morning, I have to break into a bank. (laughs) And that's when I knew that I was not the interesting person in this conversation and followed up a ton. That's a job. You can do that. It's legal. How? Wow. What? (laughs) And that led to the... The reporting for the book itself.
1: So yeah, I have been reading your book and it's an awesome book. It's really, it's almost like reading a novel. It's so like written really well. So that great job.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. She lived the exciting life and I got to write it down.
1: Uh, that's That must be very exciting for you too. So is hacking actually like the movies? Because a lot of in Hollywood you see, okay, we're, we're getting in, we're in or all of that. Previously, we interviewed another hacker who said, it's actually not really like that. But what would you say to our audience about that?
2: There were so many new faces and facets of hacking that I learned in writing the book. So one was that it's something that a grown-up can do. It's not just teenagers (laughs) in hoodies. Two, it's something that people do professionally. It can be a job. And three, that it's something you can do for good, to improve security, not just to exploit or hurt people. And then four, five, six, seven, there's just so many different kinds of hacking I hadn't known about. I mean, there's not even a computer in the first hundred pages of breaking and entering, basically. There's this whole physical access world of hacking, which is exploring spaces that you can't usually get into, whether they're elevator shafts or rooftops or ledges or steam tunnels. And then she uses those skills that she gains in college to do things like break into banks and office buildings. And she does that, again, in person, not just on a keyboard.
1: That's that's really interesting. That was a lot of what I've been looking at as I studied hacking. I took a little bit of a course that, you know, an ethical hacking course, how to defend people against hackers and all of that. And it was really interesting. That was one of the things that, in fact, we got that instructor on our podcast and he talked about that. It was like, there's not just computer hacking, there's physical hacking and other types of hacking. So personally, I found that very interesting.
2: And there's social engineering too, which is what they call human hacking. How can you get people to convince them to open their own doors for you? And what's interesting, they always have big contests of this and again, contrary to stereotype, the winner year after year in Vegas is almost always a woman. So I think that's also part of the stereotype of hacking that your generation is breaking is that it's all guys too. So the idea that I met this woman, not just a woman, but an adult, not just an adult, but a mom, uh, picking her kid from preschool, that can be the same person that's breaking into your bank to improve the security or you know, working at a major hospital system or nuclear weapons site, as happens in the book.
1: Yeah, that is very fascinating. So what, what are some of these props that hackers use that you found interesting and you were not expecting at all?
2: So some of the props are the simplest. A clipboard. <laughs> if you have a clipboard, it makes you seem like you're in charge. You're an authority. You know what you're doing. You're the director. So walk behind stage, walk up to a bank, walk into any other important occasion, and all of a sudden, you have a pretty good disguise to be the inspector. I've seen people do similar things with hard hats. You know, the repair people aren't examined as closely as they might be. Often carrying a ladder, I was told, who's going to question someone with a ladder? They they must be prepared. And a guy who was trying to break into a hospital, he said he carried around all day a beautiful chef's salad, like a, a takeout uh, mixed salad in one of those clear plastic containers. And again, it's just so broke people's brain from their stereotype of a hacker that people were like, nice salad. They never thought, do you belong here? Are you a doctor? And he was able to go all throughout the hospital. That's so those that's, are some, of the, some, some fun props there.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Also really creepy. So you would never expect like a $2 clipboard to get you in anywhere. Or just, just some of the you, going off of other stereotypes that hackers use. Like the manager always has a clipboard. And it's really fascinating that the stereotype of a hacker isn't the real thing. It isn't actually what a hacker does. But then hackers use stereotypes to their own advantage. I I just find that very fascinating.
2: Yeah, I mean, someone like yourself, you're not that much younger than she was when she started. And you know the stereotypes that worked against her in parts of the industry, people thought she was so young or they discriminated against women. Those actually helped her break into companies because she could sort of feign as the innocent intern And I'm new here. I'm sorry. I don't have my badge. Can you just let me in? Oh, my boss is going to really freak out. I'm so sorry, please. They buzzed her in, in a way they might not with someone who looks a little more like me.
1: (laughs) So it's all these social engineering things that seems to be some of the scariest types of hacking that people can actually trick you into unlocking your own door.
2: Yeah, I think you've it certainly made me think twice about who am I talking to? <laughs> what do they know about me? You know, I'm I'm in your hands, Taylor. Who knows who you really are?
1: <laughs> what What have you changed? Have you changed anything in your personal life after being with all these hackers?
2: Yeah, I have more respect for <laughs> the process that they use to break into things and also the ways they protect us. By testing security, which happens so much more than we realize. We think it's only bad guys and girls who are doing the hacking. But in my own life, yeah, I use encryption. I leave my phone behind a lot more places. I, I, by that, I mean, I leave, my, I leave my phone behind. I don't necessarily take it everywhere I go because it's tracking me. I use a different search engine than Google, which tracks me. And I look up. That's one of the hacker tips. Just look up and so many of us are in a flat landscape or looking down at our phones, but you can see so many different features of life that you can either break into or explore or you can see where you're being watched. You can notice the cameras and the guards or maybe even the other hackers that have gotten into the space above you.
1: So it's a lot of like leaving the stuff behind that tracks you and just being more pain, be paying more attention to your environment.
2: Yeah, turning off, making the decision to use technology, a conscious positive choice, not a implicit, unconsidered choice.
1: Yeah, that's definitely really fascinating and interesting. So I was watching, before I interviewed you, you talk and answer Q&As about your book. And you kept mentioning climbing up elevators and doing all of these crazy things. Could you just share some of those interesting, very fascinating experiences?
2: Sure. So when you write a book that is historical, you do research. And when you write a book that is contemporary, you do reporting. And reporting means going on the scene and interviewing the people who were there or trying to be part of the events as they're happening. And so part of that was trying to recreate her early hacker education at MIT. And through her introduction, I was able to have a group of undergraduates. Take me for an after hour's exploration, and indeed, uh, they took me up to the top of one of the great domes at MIT and through the steam tunnels. I did not like her climb an elevator shaft i didn 't walk naked around a ledge of a giant <laughs> building to revenge my you know someone in a prank. I mean she did way more daring things than I did, but it was pretty exciting for me just doing the research to stand on top of this great dome staring out at the whole rest of the world. And then the next morning, you know, walking the same site with everybody else on the sidewalk and feeling like I had been Spider-Man just the night before.
1: That definitely must be an amazing feeling to like, look up and be like, I know what that looks like from up there. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible view.
2: And the same thing, you know, she worked for a time at Los Alamos national laboratory, which is, where the nuclear bomb was originally developed and tested. And it's still a major nuclear research site. And the security there is really huge. And I went outside once while I was doing my reporting there and you're allowed to have your phone, but you're not allowed to take pictures. And it was a really glaring sun. And I lifted up my phone. I heard it ringing. I couldn't see who it was. And I realized it looked like I was taking a picture. It could look that way, at least in my head. And I felt these eyes on me and I turned around and there was a soldier with a rifle, you know, eyeing me through the scope. It wasn't like I was about to be taken out necessarily, but the reporting got my heart beating, that's for sure.
1: That that sounds like a very scary experience for sure. So in order to have all these experiences, you needed to be a writer and a journalist and basically be in the writing profession. So for some of our listeners who would like to become writers and in this media career, what would what advice would you give them?
2: Well, obviously, to be a writer, you start writing. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, I mentioned research. I mentioned reporting. And I do think that's important. If you want to move beyond creative writing, which is a great base for learning storytelling, but also tell true stories, then don't just click through things you see someone else found on the internet go out and go to the places, go to the events, write down how it really felt like, what it was happening, and then interview people who were there. And just, you know, you're doing a great example. You're, you're doing it just as much as I am.
1: Thanks. So it's basically get on the job experience. Basically, even if you're not actually hired, go out and, you know, write about your day at school, for example, because a lot of our listeners are in school. Is that, yes. is that what you're or, saying? Or, out of, or
2: your, or your school day out of school, as it is the case these days for so many students.
1: <laughs> for sure. So on a more personal level, you and your daughter have a podcast called you must know everything. And it's basically where every day or every two days, or you, you have your own schedule. You guys talk about um, something and you teach each other uh, another skill. Like for instance, I re- um, recently listened to the episode on prettiness and how to make things beautiful. So could you tell us why you and your daughter started this podcast?
2: Yeah. When my daughter was born, I had all these ideas of things I wanted to tell her when she was older and I started taking little notes for them, but it was never the right time. She wasn't old enough yet, or we were having dinner or, you know, all the things that happened in family life. And when the pandemic hit and we were all of a sudden at home together all the time, I realized, A, this is my opportunity to impart my wisdom, but B, she's now old enough and wise enough that she has just as much to teach me. And so we came upon that format where we would just trade off. I do a show a week where I lead, where I pick a theory or story or life lesson I wanted to impart and she'd do the same. And I've definitely learned way more from her, I'm sure, than she has from me. So she's the star of the show, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, that's definitely got to be a great bonding experience.
2: Yeah. I think you know so many parents at this weird back to school season are struggling with figuring out how do you do home learning? How do you teach your kid what they need to know? And I feel like we flipped it where it's like, how much can she teach me? How much can I learn? And that's been a much more profitable experience than trying to put the pressure on the other way.
1: That's, that's definitely a very awesome motto. I like that a lot. So our last two questions are the ones that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what books have had an impact on you and why?
2: Well, as a writer, you know, I'm reading all the time and I've read since I was a kid. You know, I became a writer just because I loved reading so much. So I can name so many books, but I guess I'll narrow it just down to the hacking field for what books inspired breaking and entering. I remember when I was a teenager, I read a book called The New Hacker's Dictionary, which was a lexicon, and it brought me into all these hacker terms and lore and culture, and just made me feel like an insider, even though I was just sitting reading a book. I also remember reading the book, Hackers, which was a early portrait of some of the computer pioneers that invented the field, you know as we knew it in the eighties and nineties, so people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates would be the most famous and I also just know the books of, uh, and I'm I'm blanking all of a sudden. Um, uh, The books of Michael Lewis is just one of my favorite nonfiction storytellers, and that really taught me that you could tell almost novelistic stories in nonfiction too. And you know, I'd always been attached to the storytelling of fiction, and those showed me you could do reported stories that were true but still had that novelistic feel with the rich characters.
0: Yeah
1: that's that's really interesting because the last journalist that we had on a few episodes ago a long time ago it feels like for me at least he also recommended a book in cold blood and he said it for around the same reason you did it showed him how you could turn a story and make it in, sound like fiction in the way you story and the way you tell the story so i find that really interesting that both you and Gary Rivlin our previous guest found that interesting and that compelled you
2: Yeah i think whenever you have a character and you can do scenes and plot and dialogue when you have that level of access, then why not give it the same life as a novel?
1: For sure. So our last question is, what advice do you have for teenagers?
2: Well, I think you're already doing it, you know, get out of your bubble and talk to people, you know, who are not in the same exact situation you are. And those can be other teenagers in other places too. It doesn't have to just be older, younger people. I also was thinking that, you know, reflecting that it, I think teenage years are a really good time to nerd out. I think you should be cool later. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just a lot of pressure to fit in and people are always changing. And at the same time, you have a lot of time to learn and just go deep on any topic that really interests you. So I would just say geek, geek, geek as long as possible and you'll end up being cool, you know, when you're 28.
1: So talk to people that you find interesting and nerd out because you can be cool later in life. There you go. That's awesome. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you on.
2: It's a pleasure. It's an honor. You're a natural. I'm, it's, <laughs> I, I knew you when I can tell people <laughs> later.
0: was a really interesting interview. I really liked it. It was a really interesting interview and I loved listening to it afterwards, even though I couldn't be a part of it. Um, but I really, one of my favorite points that uh, we all talked about was um, how you went through all the things he's done. Like he's an investigative journalist. He has a podcast with his daughter and he's looked into hacking and written books. Um, and I love how um, diverse those are, not that diverse and unique, not just unique because there are a lot of people who have podcasts. There are a lot of writers and journalists, but just because it's one man doing all of those, like, it's so, it's so cool, the combination of all his different, um, uh, talents and, um, skills and interests. Um, and yeah, and it's what he talked about with the hacking sounds hilarious. Um, some of the points he was making about the stereotypes and people carrying around salads and ladders. And that was, that was some of my favorite, favorite parts by far.
1: Yeah, I really like what you were saying about the hackers and their stereotypes, because they actually don't have a stereotype that is real. Although Hollywood and all of the other media platforms, they have kind of forced on them the stereotype that was actually relevant maybe 40 or 50 years ago. I don't know exactly when. I'm really bad with times and stuff. Um, But they've used these stereotypes, other stereotypes, not just their own, to take advantage of um, like we... I guess weak places, weak defenses and test defenses and show people if I can carry a salad around your hospital and like break into stuff, you got a problem right there. You should probably question why you have a ladder or a
0: salad or a clipboard. So I thought that was really interesting. That was so cool. You could get a $2 clipboard from a random gas station or something. I don't know if gas stations sell that, but like a gas station or something. And then like, no one will question your authority. Like, the clipboard is literally intimidating people. That's that's really, really creepy. And sure. kind of scary to think that's how carefree we all are. Oh, you've got a clipboard? That's fine. You can come in. You can come into my personal home and rob me. That's fine. That's, wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: That That is really crazy. Um, I loved his point about just look up. Um, basically be aware of your surroundings. I thought that was really interesting. I don't know what we're going to eventually name this episode, but that might be the name. <laughs> <So, laughs> that would be a great right. name. Let us know. I found his advice actually very interesting. Um, so the advice that was very not typical of anyone that we've heard was that when you're a teenager, you're not going to be cool, guys. Leave being <laughs> cool to <laughs> you're 20 or 30 or whatever. But it's, leave being cool to be until later so be a nerd geek out do all your nerdy stuff now (laughs) yes and yeah talk to different people and his other advice was talk to different people who are in different aspects of life that aren't necessarily yours so i don't know if you know anyone in a different country talk to them that's a different perspective obviously just get other people's viewpoints Because a lot of people, they only have their opinions reinforced and reinforced. Get other people to state their opinions that may differ from yours because you never know what you'll learn. Nope, definitely.
0: You'll get a more worldly view. Yep. So, yeah, uh, that was an awesome interview. Do we have any announcements, Maddie? Yeah, kind of, you know, the typical announcements. um, So visit our website uh, at aimingforthemoon.com. Uh, we've got profiles on all of our guests. We've got a fun series called Podcast logs, And uh, you can find out Maddie's opinion on some of the books that the authors have read. Um, uh, the authors have recommended and that I've read. And you can read the reviews on that. So yeah, kind of the typical stuff uh, for a podcast website. But you should definitely go check that out. For sure. Everything you need is there. And we have Instagram. That's another big announcement. We
1: have started an Instagram account. So go follow us there. I believe it's aiming for the actual number for moon. I believe that's our tag. Yep. Um, And that's the same on Twitter. So follow us both there. Maddie and I don't have our own personal accounts, but go follow aiming for the moon. We release sneak peeks to other episodes coming up. um, And we release pictures of our guests there and other stuff.
0: So yeah, it's cool. And another thing we wanted to mention was even though we said it was a fantastic book, and it was, it was a fantastic book that Mr. Smith uh, wrote, there are some parts that we had to skip being a little bit younger. So we do recommend this book for older audiences, but it is a fantastic book. So do check that out. But be wary, there are a few parts that even we had to um, skip, but definitely go check it out. Great book. And yeah, I think that's it. It is. So it's definitely not for all audiences, but it is a very interesting book about hacking. So yeah,
1: rate, subscribe, um, do all that. Follow us on all the socials. Share the podcast around everything they tell you to do. But also, don't forget, say your sights high and aim for the moon.